0: I am like, seriously, my IT guy, because it's all remote, because I'm here. He's like, Jen, your computer, you need to turn your computer off at night. I'm like, I turn it off every night. I was turning off the screen on my... <laughs> oh my I didn't know that thing was a computer in the back. <laughs> Why we oh don't IT?
1: Hello, and welcome to Table for Five with no reservations. Take a seat at the table for a fresh, sweet, salty, tart, and pleasantly bitter conversation.
2: Thank you for taking the seat at the table. This is episode three. This is how we do communication. Seated at the table tonight, we have Jamie. Hello. Rachel. Hey, everyone. Tabitha. Hi. Jen. Hello. And I'm Kim, and we're going to talk about how we do communication. Tabitha, would you like to start? Yeah. So Nixon was
3: one of the first signs leading towards his autism evaluation was mainly communication. So he was nonverbal. I always get timelines mixed up, but I would say three and a half to four years old is when he started picking up verbal language. He had some words early on and then those kind of came and went. He's always had sounds. He's always made noise. He's had verbal stems his whole life. So we didn't think too much about it because he was always making noise and we could always hear him (laughs) pretty much. His language developed... It started with echolalia, which is basically when our kids repeat phrases, words from others. He, a lot of times um, echoed my husband's language and same from TV, like he'd say the same thing over and over and over again from one show. So it started mainly with echolalia. And then he moved to scripting longer series from TV shows, which is where kids basically copy the tone the voice, the Mm -hmm. everything from inflection from a a television show and use it as communication. So he, you have to know the context of the show. And we've talked about this on our podcast before with scripting. So he moved to scripting and then he started gaining more functional language. So knowing his name, you can ask him what he wants to eat. He can make choices, tell you what he doesn't like. That's for sure. (laughs) And that's accelerated, I would say he just turned five. So after over the last six months, I would say we've started to see a lot more language that's functional for him. He still can't answer questions about his day or tell you something that happened in detail that's in the past or coming in the future. But when we were sick the last time, he was able to tell us that he was sick, that he didn't feel good, you know, that his belly hurt which is a first for us. So it's definitely progressing a lot with him and language. One thing we learned with nonverbal language is you really have to be tuned into your kid. It's a guessing game all the time. You have to know their shifts in mood. You have to know their favorite snacks. You have to know, (laughs) like you really just have to be really tuned into them. And then our daughter, Nora, she had language, she developed on time, and then she lost her language, all of it, and sounds at 18 months-ish. So she completely went silent. We didn't have any sounds, any language. It was really abrupt with her. And then she was silent for a while, and we started using sign with her. She's picked up some signs. She uses pecs, which she picked up really quickly the PEC system out of the house she doesn't really care for it inside of the house she's like you know what i'm talking about lady i don't need those cards don't make me do that crap (laughs) we're not doing that
2: was exactly the same you
3: know what i'm saying um and she's excellent at nonverbal communication so leading you to the exact cupboard where she wants the exact snack which drawer she wants to open in the fridge what shoes she wants to wear. Nixon was kind of just like, go with the flow. Like I'm hungry or I want to drink. Here's the cup. first cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's now. Yeah. (laughs) Before he was kind of just like, whatever you're going to give me is fine. You know, she's like, if you hold up a cracker box, she doesn't want those crackers. She's smacking that thing out of your hand. She's like, no, thank you. That's not the right one. Try again. (laughs) No, not happening. (laughs) And then this week we started... Working with the AAC device, which is a communication device, there's lots of different apps um, that you can put on communication and actually our episode that is dropping is AAC Awareness Month in October. So there's a bunch of apps that are discounted during that month, there's going to be a lot of posts and talks about AAC device. But for us, what happened basically is we went to this event with my brother for Arizona Autism Society. And I was talking to a gentleman there who like helps facilitate getting AAC devices for parents through insurance. And I was telling him the story of her using PECs and sign. And he basically just handed me an AAC device to take home. He didn't Which know me. Incredible, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, here, just take this one. You can trial it. It has um, touch chat on it is the app that we're using right now or the um, program that we're using. And so her providers are helping us facilitate like how to model for her. They helped us learn how to do the buttons. She was on four buttons on one screen and now we put, I think it has four by four. So we've narrowed the buttons because she picked it up so quickly, like using it. So I'm really excited about her using an AAC device. I keep saying that she has so much language trapped in there. She has tons of receptive language. She understands what you're saying to her. She wants to communicate more. And you just know that those words are trapped inside. And so when she first used her device or like when we saw her using it, the smile she just smiled from... (sighs) ear to ear and was just so happy. It was like bigger than that. She was glowing. Yeah. She was just so excited that she was using her device. So we've been told by a lot of people that, and I think, I don't know if this is like SLPs or speech language pathologists or where the information is coming from that AAC devices can limit your verbal language, but not from speech therapists. I think, um, I mean, like in the past from research of like, the progression Mm -hmm. of language and the progression of apps and what has happened, like where that idea has come from, from the past. I don't mean now, like they're on board with it now,
2: but, um, a lot of people still believe that though. A lot of people still believe that, um, because they think it will make almost like, if you have a device that will speak for you, they're not going to try as hard to speak. A lot of people Still feel that way,
3: and that's what I was trying to say. I didn't say that very well, but you know what I mean. Like from the history, that there's this idea that speech devices don't help your verbal language, but now it's understood that it actually helps prompt you to speak because you're hearing the word over and over and over again as you're using the device. You are seeing a picture connected to it. You are seeing your parents model using it, and some words have come back over the past couple months. They're not all the time. She uses two words pretty much all the time, up and open. Those are her two communication words. She can say mom. She can say dad. um, Go. She had for a while and then we lost that for a bit. She'll gain one and then she'll lose one. She has a speech evaluation tomorrow. And I really wonder with her about apraxia because you can see her trying with her mouth so hard to formulate a word and thinking like you can actually see her brain processing as her mouth is trying to form a word. It's a lot different than Nixon. Nixon's receptive language and his communication were kind of paired together. And the more he understood, the more started to develop. And then the more he started to gain with her she understands a ton of language but she doesn't have the ability to speak so it's really kind of fascinating with the two of them the differences communication is
2: mind-blowing it really is it, it it's is. so mind-blowing yeah so and that's we're kind so of- excited we're so excited for nora oh yes because can- i think this will open doors for her you know
3: yeah, and for us, just the frustration. I think once you gain more communication, the frustration goes down. Once you mm-hmm. can speak to each other, the frustration goes down in any way, and not just verbal speaking, but communicate with each other. So we posted a video of her using her device on our page. Um, Peace of autism. If you want to go check it out, yep. it's so check it out. Amazing a hundred oh, your
4: heart. times.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I watched I l- watch that video. I'm not exaggerating probably 300 times it's just
1: crazy
0: it's watchable 300 times it's (laughs)
1: awesome oh yeah our little nora b it's time for our amazon must-have from the table break and this week awkwardly enough for me is my own book which is a parent teacher back and forth communication journal this journal is an aid to help parents and teachers communicate about a student who may not be able to communicate for themselves we've always used communication journals with my son's teachers they help us help him thrive at school I wanted to make one that was a little more simplified and really quick and easy for the parent and teacher to fill out in this journal the parent fills out how the child's evening was what their morning mood was how much they ate for breakfast and a note section where they can ask questions or give any concerns On the other side the teacher will fill out how the student's day went they cover what they did well what their mood was anything they did specials or therapy wise bathrooming information how much they ate at school and a note section for teachers to give any concerns answer any questions or just give an uplifting note about the child. The book comes in two different colors. Both will be linked below in the description of this episode. Make sure to use our affiliate links to help support the podcast. All right, let's get back to the table.
2: How about um, you, Jen? What does Kaya's communication look like?
0: Kaya's we our diagnosis, we were led that direction because we had no language. So she was two and a half, there was nothing. There was no babble, there were no sounds. There was just nothing. And she didn't really speak until she was five. I mean, there was just no, there was just nothing. She would say mama if you said mama, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes Elmo, but nothing was ever spontaneous. There was never any language. What's interesting, Tabitha, is her OT actually just said to me exactly what you had said. She said, I think it would even really help Kaya if you got her that device because it would allow her to get out more on this and then in turn her language would develop from it mm-hmm. and that now it's showing that the more people have access to these devices the more it does help build their language yeah. and so that's turning you know the thoughts on that which is mm-hmm. good also i bought her an alexa for christmas last year and you have to be really clear when you rachel's heard her it's the cutest thing when she talks to alexa and so it that's helped her because she's had to speak clear we did sign early on nothing extensive just the basics that helped her to have a little bit of communication she picked that up really quickly now again she couldn't articulate uh, if something happened to her in a day she i would always have to i would learn it through behaviors you know it's like you you have to figure it out and okay what's going on kind of thing she can answer questions she'll ask them but yeah it's still very limited
3: her language progress like so when she got really, started
0: speaking so we got really lucky. I had we had the best SLP speech language pathologist. She was
3: kind of the first
0: therapist on this journey that wasn't trying to gouge me, that wasn't trying to bill me out for, you know, just the the typical here anyway, sort of way of taking advantage of the vulnerable parent, you know. Um, and she really was the first therapist that took a true interest in Kaya. And she had said, I had her in all these different therapies, and Jackie had said to me, you know, you really should. Focus on speech for her because in it and she was always the first to say it doesn't have to be verbal speech. That's not the only way to communicate. Not just, you know, it's not the only way. But we have to give her an outlet to communicate. People cannot expect all of these things from her if she can't communicate. So we have to get her to that line of communication. And so I dropped all of the therapies. We went, you know, four years every Saturday, you know, on off times, you know, Wednesdays and Saturdays. And Jackie just became a part of her team, and I, I really, you know, would she have gotten there? Probably at some point, but I think that having that specific person um, was life changing. So communication—that was how we did it. But um, not that this book is going to make anyone's child speak. But what was instrumental in our therapy with her was the Hannon method. Uh, but there's, there's two books on it. She's talking a lot right now <laughs> um, there's uh, it takes two to talk it was a it's a groundbreaking therapy they do with children and parents it teaches you how to t- to to speak to your children not at your children and not mm. for your children it was a it, you really had to stop every single train of thought you had and think differently about that situation so it was instrumental so you can get it on Amazon. It's a great book. I highly recommend it. And then there's a follow-up
2: to that book. How was yeah. Kaya's receptive language before she was speaking? It was okay. It was okay. It wasn't great, but it was okay. Do you find that they grew together or did you always like one stronger than the other?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I, did find they, I, I did find they grew together. But I also would find, and I don't know if you guys noticed this with your kiddos, um, whenever we have these stretches of hard, there always seems to be some big growth after. Yeah like, I don't know. And I, I think it was Jackie that told me that, that that kind of hard they go through is kind of their
2: way of through that growth. Yeah. yeah. I always wonder which way. Cause I always see that I, that's the only thing that gets me through sometimes. Cause I'm like, okay, I know there's going to be something good yeah. <laughs> That's gonna Yeah. <come laughs> on down. the other side. Yeah. Always, it yeah. always does. And I always wonder if it's like the hard comes after the good, because it takes so yeah. much, you know, for their brains and so much effort for them yeah. that like they crash, or it's like the hard, and then yeah, it's
1: like, have you guys heard of wonder weeks for babies? Mm-hmm. So, like, there's this whole like calendar yeah. thing, and I followed this when Jesse was a baby, when Amelie was a baby too, but not as much because I don't have time to pay attention to that crap because I had two kids. Um, <laughs> but it, it's this principle that your kid, um, you go off their due date, not their birth date, and they're really fussy for a long time, and then after that fussy period, you'll see a leap in development and they're fussy during that time because their body is developing for that leap. And I really think that's kind of how it is in autism where it just takes so much out of them to go through a growth spurt or to take all this in that you go through a really hard time. And then there's like this, they're coming out the other side and they have learned and there is this leap, but it's just, you had to go through kind of hell to get there. And I think all kids probably do it, but with our kids, you just like everything. Our kids are hungry, thirsty. You feel it. It's a lot more. Everything's so much more intensified. I don't
0: know, Kimmy, I guess- I don't know. Maybe her, uh, yeah, maybe her receptive language was definitely more than, but it's hard to tell because mm-hmm. yeah, you don't know. You know, tabs you talked about. Nora takes you to the, the cupboard for yeah. the snack. I talked to receptionists out a Sunny Hill out of an evaluation because I was like, I know exactly what she needs. She takes me right to it. She takes <laughs> yeah. me right to the milk. She just doesn't say, "I want to drink the milk." I yeah. mean, the, the, our children can definitely communicate without language. There's no mm-hmm. question. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah I guess I guess I you know it's hard to tell what her you know what she really did understand because I know it is and I don't know but you guys but I always have to give her that
2: processing time and I've had to work on Mm -hmm. that really hard yes Yes. and I still have to remind myself that constantly because Mm -hmm. your nature is to like repeat yourself and say Mm -hmm. it a little louder so they can hear you better and it's clearer but like once you do that you're like muddying yeah exactly Mm -hmm. Hey, what about you, Jamie? How does communication look for your son?
1: It's a little similar to Nixon. Some of this stuff, I think, m- m- just because he's a boy, and I think boys can develop differently than girls. So in the beginning, I mean, I guess it's more like more like Nora, he did start developing some language. I remember his first ever word was our dog's name, Aldo. <laughs> and he would say a few things that he, right off the bat, could like identify, Let well, not right off the bat, not out of the womb, but pretty early on, Before one, he could like identify some numbers and letters and he would look through his little books and, um, he would repeat like songs, like, uh, nursery rhymes, uh, parts of at least in like his cute little voice, but that didn't last very long. And around 15 to 18 months, I noticed that he got really quiet. And I remember my nephews and my niece come out usually every summer And there was just a lot of kids at the time. And so I was like, maybe he's just quiet because there's so many other kids and they're talking for him. They're all older than him. That was like the first thing I brought up to the doctor. I was like, he's not talking as much anymore. He never (laughs) developed like communicative language that kind of all went away for a little while. And then some of it came back, mostly like the numbers and letters and stuff like that. And I was trying to be a good mom and not have my kid watch TV but when he did start watching um some shows uh, around 2ish i mean he did i wasn't perfect he did watch some tv before then but around 2 i started letting him watch like <laughs> shows like word party and things like that and he would start repeating those things and he would talk to the tv more like echoing or scripting came a little on because he wasn't saying like a full sentence or anything they would say a word like on the show word party, they're teaching kids words. So they'd be like ankle and he might say ankle one time, but it wouldn't be retained with sign language. We only did sign language around food. And that's just because before I knew that he was going to lose language or anything, it was just kind of a popular thing to teach your kids sign language. And I started with food because he was most interested in food. So he got had like more down and all done and a couple of those things. And I actually started getting worried that the sign language was stopping him from speaking. So when you guys talked about that with AAC devices, that kind of was what my thought was. I was like, oh, well, he's not going to talk because he can communicate a different way. It made me nervous, but but we mostly just kept around f- food. And that's all he would really latch onto was the all done and the more c- stuff because he liked to eat, which we were <laughs> fortunate with. And then as time went on, slowly he would start kind of like scripting more things and he would every once in a while say a two or three word sentence around four, three, three and a half, four. And sometimes I didn't realize it was scripting and then I would figure it out. I remember around four one time, he walked into our bedroom. I remember this moment like clear as day and he came in and we're sitting on the bed and he goes, hi mom, hi dad. This at that time was like amazing. I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. You were always like, <laughs> yeah. a magical moment where it clicks and I was so excited. I told his teachers about it. I was like, I was like, Oh my gosh, he came in. He knew like who we were. He said hi to us. And I come, I realized later that it's from boss baby. He was scripting boss baby, but he, that was a big step for us. He was appropriately scripting. So yeah. he knew that we were his mom and dad and he was incorporating that. So that's what it, it went from scripting to like appropriately scripting where he would be like, time for snack when we were eating oh, dinner. Yeah. We and have things that like too. that. Mm-hmm. And so that was a huge step for us. And the speech therapists were very excited about that. He only ever did speech through school just because I went, so we got pushback on it. But when we went and got him evaluated and stuff, no one ever seemed that concerned about it. They were just like, we'll just get him to school and they'll provide those things. I didn't even realize till like partway through preschool where his, one of his school speech therapists was like, does he do outside therapy? And I was like, No, should he be so things like that I feel bad like I just didn't know I should be like pushing Mm -hmm. for or on and then the communication thing unlike a lot of the girls he had no desire to communicate with us that was the hardest part for me there was no dragging me to the fridge car rides would be either when he was baby he would be really fussy and crying or maybe we're leaving a place and there's a meltdown or they would be dead silent Mm
2: -hmm. I remember
1: just sitting in the kitchen and like showing him I'm gonna but I would have like Mm. juice and milk and I'd be like do you want juice or do you want milk and he would just stare at me because I and I'm trying Mm -hmm. to get him to just communicate anything like one of the first things he ever I talked about in my story time one of the first things he ever would want or bring to us was the remote because he wanted to watch a show it was always what he was interested in his time there was never time Mm. to communicate out of his preferred things so that was really hard for me at first and now I'm starting around five five and a half he start he has started talking to us more in complete full sentences still usually about what he wants to talk about at six I can ask him questions and he might give me a one-word answer I'll be like how was school he'll say good I'll say what did you do at school good but if he wants to watch um like a show he likes he'll be like hey can I watch word party like he can talk when he wants to talk and he's getting better and we're always working on things, but it was a long journey. But I know that we're very fortunate in the fact that he talks and that the language is coming and has gone and it's all coming. Those, those big leaps and, and with all the wait lists and stuff, we'll put something down like, oh, doesn't yet speak in complete sentences. And then by the time we get off that wait list almost a year later, he is. And so um, they're always like, oh, he can talk. Yeah. Like, Uh so we're always having those. It's just a lot. He's just way behind his peers. And it's a struggle for me because I don't always know what's going on. I don't know what's hurting him. She had a cavity
0: um, two years ago and the dentist, they, they, she had to go to this, this private center. They had a uh, she had a full sedation so it's kind of a big deal because she was a kid the dentist said i don't know how she was even walking he said that cavity was so deep but yeah. she had no way to yeah like a, she couldn't she wouldn't say she has no way to articulate that she's got a sore mouth yeah. or a tooth i mean things just come out in behaviors and that's like ah then it all clicks oh you're like dangerous. oh this has been bothering her for five and a yeah. half weeks it started yeah. on a tuesday yeah that's what that yeah. was you know and then you feel so bad because
3: yeah you, you know. do feel there's a lot of guilt oh,
0: yeah. around communication a lot of guilt a lot there's of a guilt. lot of
2: guilt around parenting yes and then, <laughs> yes and then double that with like special needs when you yeah. you know you can't always communicate with them
3: properly it's uh, well I, f- I carry tons of guilt about Nixon and I learned this from watching other people but because he wasn't talking to us we weren't really talking to him in the way that I talked to Nora at this point because I know so much more I didn't know at the time but I do have I have so much guilt about that because I think that like we were just quiet because he was quiet you yeah. know mm-hmm. I don't know
1: and so. you don't know when it's supposed to be coming like yeah. you're just People keep telling you like, oh, boys take longer or things like that, and you're like, okay. And I will say, I mean, I did talk to Jesse all the time because I could not stand the silence in the car all the time. Or I, I always say I'm that crazy mom that was at the Walmart talking to her baby, like, hey, this is this is because you're taught That's to do that stuff, and it still didn't come. And
2: I've even done it without any kids with me without realizing. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean, we were talking, but it wasn't like the way that I communicate with Nora. Yeah. Like now, I can be like, ba ba ball, ka cup you know, like
1: I know. And knowing that to you pause have, and things yes, like the pause, I de- yes. definitely did not do. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I would just yes. keep going. I would just talk. I would ask a question. I would answer it myself. It was just. <laughs> <laughs> How
2: about you, Rachel? How's the mermaid communication go on in your house? Oh, you know, I, I've heard a lot of the words that
4: we would identify with uh, throughout the other answers. Celie had this major regression around 15 months. And I would have said that it was over around two and a half. Went from like full loss, no sounds. I like James thought that the sign language we taught her took her words. Oh my God. If you're listening, that's not how it's going. Do it
3: all (laughs) people. Try it all. So
4: then I thought that things were going great. As I said, I would have said around two and a half, but she has always been a different person outside our home as she is inside our home. And speech was the first really big clue to that. And it took me a long time to put that together. But when Celia was four, uh, right before we got formally diagnosed, we had that doctor appointment where it's like four-year well check. And the gal said, concluded all this thing with can we talk about how your daughter's severely neuroatypical and I just didn't know but we started right then and there like the following day on Ritalin uh, because we were having such struggle with safety and leaving the house and all this stuff and we couldn't communicate like and I'm sorry Rachel how old did you say she was then Right. Then she was four when she started Ritalin. And I remember picking her up from school. Like on the, on the first day, it was like, it was a good day. Second day of Ritalin. They were like, you will never believe. I'm like, what? She spoke all day. And I'm like, oh, all day. And they're like, she's, she doesn't, she doesn't talk. She, she hasn't, she's never spoken. And I'm like, I am Celie Flanagan's mother. Like, who the, do you think you're talking to of course she speaks like she doesn't shut up you know yeah at at that point at home and they're like no she doesn't talk to her peers she doesn't know their names she doesn't care she knew how to say teachers like she had a miss savannah and i think she had like a way she'd say savannah she had lots of non-verbal communication as you'd expect they knew she liked blue paint. I can only imagine how they learned that. So I feel like now the sort of stuff we're dealing with is that, well, again, another thing I've learned is that I thought as I learned about regressions for the first time, that it was a total loss. And what I know now is that there's this big ebb and flow of all the things. And for Seely's speech is part of that. And I think for us, when she's in mania, like this big sp- you know, higher rev of her mental health. She's more articulate. She's more capable. She's capable longer through the day when she's in her depression, she's more likely to be nonverbal earlier. She's she struggles. So it's, it's really in flux for us. And I think part of that in conjunction with the fact that she can appropriately script, she has a plethora of options. She has a lot of receptive language, and that helps her to choose the appropriate script and sort of fake it deeper. Celie uses scripting sort of similar to Echolalia, where she'll, you know, in Echolalia, it's sort of like words and titles and stuff. It's smaller, it's more phrasy, where scripting can be a whole scene like kaya we've talked about kaya scripting uh, chicago fire or um i've heard jamie uh jamie suggest do a script of maybe a scene of something like you know it goes line mm-hmm. for line for line for line for line um with my daughter right now the biggest example i can give you is that she's scripting within hunger and i think that she's trying to figure out how to appropriately articulate. That feeling, and when people say it, and why people say it, but right now, every time she sees someone eat something on her channels, on her YouTube, on her this and that, and the Paw Patrol, anything, she then will go into this like request, demand, 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 demand of, uh, you know, a food request, and so it'll be scripting. So she'll use somebody else's language to appropriately ask for what she needs, even though they aren't her words. This is like, not a la Celie it's through Paw patrol. I would say as a mom, like type of person, I fell back into management and educating people when Celie was little, like long before we were giving coaching statements, I was titling everything. I spoke all the time and it was like, the world was our classroom. Like we'd be at Target and this is red, do you wanna feel it? And so I knew she had some sensory stuff. I knew she was thrilled to no end about certain textures, but like, I just didn't know who she totally was. But her receptive language was, you could tell because she would be able to accomplish several tasks when she was very little nug. Even when she couldn't speak, she would be able to go get the shoe, get the thing, Pick up the water. And that's part of, I think, probably what kept us from being flagged earlier.
3: Like was that directions, which is pretty advanced for right. You know. Yep.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So I feel very privileged because I've been able to slash have had to be her primary caregiver. Like we don't fit in a daycare. I did not go super well at a home daycare when she left showed up in my work. <laughs> um, but she, I have the privilege of being super tuned in. And so for her, we use a lot of, for, for lots of the like Sealy's own self, you know, communicating. It's a lot of nonverbal. Like if she has a need, I already know because she's clenching her fist or she's breathing yeah. heavier, or she's sitting forward or she's fidgeting in a certain way. And she's got rhythm about her. Um, I just wrote a post on Flannaville about how I feel like she's as easy to read and as anything once you know what you're looking at yeah (laughs) which there's the trick there yeah (laughs) Yeah. she still would rather only talk about her preference her world she does not know how to ask billy how his day was after he asks how hers was she gives very few facts about
2: the outside how about you kimmy so of course you guys all know that my daughter is an unverbal. she started off around 11 or 12 months with some words she'd say bra for brother, Baba, she could say Barney, just the typical kind of simple sounds that you would expect at a year. And the words never really grew from those five or six words that she had. And she had a lot of ear infections. So there was like a lot of that going on. So that was Mm -hmm. kind of going around the same time. So I was told by a nurse that they can lose up to 90% of their hearing when they have an ear infection. So to me, that just made sense. Like she probably wasn't hearing the sounds. And that's why she, her speech wasn't developing. But on the other side of that, she seemed to, it seemed very confusing to figure out if she could understand or not. So we've talked a lot about receptive language during this episode. So for anybody who doesn't know what that is, that is the ability to understand when language is spoken to you. So there are people that can't speak at all, but they understand everything that is said to them. And I was never clear if she was understanding what we said to her. Cause sometimes it seemed like she understood And other times it seemed like she didn't. And I mean, she was just over a year. So it's a little bit of a red flag. It's not hugely concerning. You know, if you say, hey, come here so I can change your diaper. And they run the other way. I mean, are they not understanding? Or do they not want to? Not want to, Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: And then she stopped responding to her name. So then we were concerned about that. We actually thought she was deaf. Then we circled back to like, okay, why isn't she saying any more words? And then in fact, those words that she was saying were not really hearing very often but then she would like pop up with a word um during her hearing test, she pooped in her diaper and she goes poo poo clear as day and the the lady wrote down she goes oh I heard that she had never said that before and I don't <laughs> think she ever said it again but it was just like a weird thing because you're like it's like that thing where you're just questioning everything you know yeah. and then as time went on we, you know, became more concerned. The receptive language was a lot more concerning to me than the actually not saying words because it just, Mm -hmm. I just couldn't figure out if she could understand or not. Like it was very inconsistent and sensory and like all these other things come into play with anybody who lives with anxiety. You know, if you're anxious, if you're nervous, if you're stressed out, like you're, you know, you're Mm -hmm. not understanding things the same way anybody. So like, of course- It's the same for our kids. Of course, we go on, we get the autism diagnosis and um, she was a little over two then. She still had no language. She didn't Mm -hmm. really even have sounds. Now I say that, but she wasn't quiet (laughs) because she made lots of noises, you know, shrieks and laughs. And I didn't know what they were at the time, but lots of vocal stims she Mm -hmm. had, but no real clear sounds. Once in a while you would get like a buff sound but then you wouldn't hear it again. So she did speech just under two. She got speech at school. We did outside speech. It didn't make a difference. We introduced sign. She really wasn't too interested in sign. She did more, but she kind of just did it to get what she wanted. You know, she Mm -hmm. wanted something she'd go (laughs) and she'd be like, hello lady, I'm doing this stupid sign. Give me what I want. She was kind of using it the way that typical kids use please. We did more all done and help with a three that we kind of started with, but I mean, she did them when she was pressured to do them. If it was really like you were making her do it to get something. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, she didn't do it.
4: Um, Around just
2: a preferred item, Kimmy. Yeah, Like what she wanted. Yeah. Or if she had something and you knew, you know, we Mm -hmm. worked on that and she kind of. And then we introduced PEX, which is the picture exchange system. She did okay with that, but she did... Pretty well with that at school. Can they start with like two choices and they move up to three? And that's just like a pitcher. So again, though, at home she did preferred items. So she really wanted something. She really wanted popcorn. She'd go up to the fridge and get the picture and hand it to me. Like Tabitha said earlier. Uh Alyssa had already figured out how to communicate nonverbally. She yeah. pointed, she actually used to go and slap the outside of the refrigerator when she wanted something. Nora um, does that too. Yep. You know me, a lady. You know, <laughs> bang the cabinet. She would oh, point yeah. up to cabinets. You know, she she would lead me around. Um, yeah. And she was able to like sometimes I would say, "Do you want this or that?" And she would point to what she wanted, mm-hmm. or kind of like make a sound if she didn't want. it So she kind of had already had these skills. So I think in her mind, she was like, "Why am I doing this?" Like I she didn't need the pictures. Yeah. Yeah. She did it at school, yeah. and she did pretty well with it. Like she Watch had to me school. get some juice. She had a very elaborate like binder with like categories and, and all the, you know, all stuff and they did it, but it, everything at school is so structured can be at home. And we did, we had like thing we had, I still have Velcro places like 20 years later. I'm like, oh, this is from we, when we did this, but she didn't really use it to constantly communicate. I would be like, oh, we're going to go here and then do this. And that definitely helped her. That definitely tamped down the frustration, you know, because she was very frustrated because my daughter knows exactly what she wants.
4: And if you're
2: not figuring it out, she used to get very angry.
4: our you know, daughters to... just born
2: that way? <laughs> yeah. I feel like girls are born full strength. Ugh, mine she, was. yeah, so she really knew what she wanted, but like we didn't know what she wanted. And then mm-hmm. as time went on, it came clear the talking had to kind of go on the wayside, and we had to do the communication, you know, because that's the thing. It's like you have to figure out a way do the communication. Mm-hmm. In, um, and then the, the speaking, as time went on, it went lower and lower on the priority list because we put all this effort into it. We worked with all these therapists. It still wasn't happening. She still didn't have, I mean, she really didn't even have sounds. And they even told me that receptively that she would never be able to understand anything without a visual cue, like ever. But she did un- understand stuff. it's It was inconsistent. In some days I'd be like, nope, she doesn't understand. And then like, the next day, it would be like the more familiar things were for her, the more she would understand. So if we were leaving and I said, go get your shoes, mm-hmm. she would get to go get her shoes. So it's like she's, and I used to test her all the time. Like I would make sure, because sometimes you give cues without realizing you're giving them.
4: Yeah. You know, but if I yeah. say,
2: would say like, shut the door, nothing. But if I say shut the door and point to the door, she would know to shut the door. It's stuff like that, you know? So that's what it means to give like a, a visual cue as opposed to like just saying it. And even to this day, it's very murky on how strong her receptive language is. It's definitely grown. It's definitely gotten better, but it's still pretty weak. But she's very smart and she's very, she's able to really figure stuff out. Think she about listens
4: like crazy. I could well, say a person's name and she would holler. And she
2: knows, she, like, she figures things out by looking at your facial expression, watching your body language, looking at the environment to see what's going on. And she does this in a split second. So she's so good at it that people think she understands so much more than she actually does. It has, and it has grown over the years. It has grown. There's definitely things that she understands that she, she didn't understand in the past. It's still not her strongest thing. The more words you use, the more it gets lost in translation. It has that. to be very simple concepts for her. And I'm not saying this to down her. This is just her reality. This is what our reality is. It doesn't do me any good to pretend that she understands things that she doesn't because that doesn't help her. That just causes more frustration for her in the end. Like her school feels like she understands so much because they'll say, oh, do you like Taylor Swift? And she'll sign, yes, she doesn't know who Taylor Swift is. If you put it on and say, do you like this? She would, she would tell you yes or no. She understands that. She might also dance she doesn't understand things that are really abstract like that's still very difficult for her and then she kind of like just started saying the word no it just kind of like like she could shake her head and kind of go like make sounds but it wasn't no and then one day no just came out and then that just became like her word so she could say the word no since she's been like I don't even remember I want to say like six completely clear no And she don't want something so <laughs> I always joke and say she was gifted one word and that's the word she chose. (laughs) She's like, I'll take that one. That one's going to come in handy for me. Then then she kind of started doing, um, they call them, I believe it's annotations, which she would, it's like she would have the speech pattern, like the rhythm of it. So you could almost hear like a phrase, but the sounds weren't there. Like the phonics wasn't there, but it would. Are you saying, hey, how are you? And she'd be like, but it was always consistent. Yeah, and it would like in it like her voice to go high when it's supposed to go yeah. high and the syllables would break up and that's um, interesting.
3: Cause Nora kind of does that now. Seely did yeah. that too. Yeah.
2: So if I would say I love you, she would like kind of say something mm. back, but like you yeah. it wouldn't be sounds there, but it, it would have an and sometimes you'd go, Wow, it really sounded like she I think she just said that and then but then that would be it. And then she started word approximations. and at sixteen she got a speech device. And they used it at school. She wouldn't use it at home. We've got a consistent theme going on with this girl. <laughs> Relatable. So, but it's very different at school though, because even though she's using it at school and and I come to understand this more now. So they're like, she does things at school because you're sitting at circle time and you're asking her a question and you're modeling it and they're all doing it and they all kind of have to do it. and It's going along with the school day. It's very different at home. At home's just much more open-ended and she would just go crazy if we even took it out of her bag she would go completely holistic she did not want to use it uh, and i think she really viewed it as work and she associated it with school and she was like lady you already know what i want i'm not doing this and we did for the most part but now that i really look back on it she said a word approximations which would be like she would say bahai or uh, bahai for bye. So yeah. those things started in her teens. So she started with some sounds. They weren't always consistent. She started being able to say mama and dada. I don't necessarily think she was saying them for a specific person, but of course I'd say say mamas. I've been telling the to say mama since she's been one, probably before <laughs> then. Um, and sometimes she would say it and it would be unclear. And sometimes she would say it and it would be clear. So mm-hmm. the sounds were starting to come. I mean, very slowly coming. And then I wonder now if like the speech device actually helped that along. Mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure, but I think it happened after she was using the speech device at school. Mm -hmm. And like everybody has kind of touched upon there are people that think that it will stop their kids from talking. It will not stop your kids from talking. If anything, because our kids are so strong visually, seeing that picture and hearing that word at the same time, it makes it click for them sometimes. Not mm-hmm. not always. It doesn't work for everybody, but it's just it like really learning styles for all. All
4: people. All people have a learning style. And I feel but like there's
2: something with seeing it and hearing yeah. it at the same time that for people on the spectrum, especially that are predominantly nonverbal, For some reason, it just makes things sink in just that little bit more, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just saying it. At this point, like I said, she's 17, she's 18. I've accepted the fact that she's not going to speak. I'm pretty okay with it. The only thing that bothers me is the fact that if she's hurt or sick, she can't tell us. Mm -hmm. you know and I hate that I hate that for her because I want her to be able to tell us so we can fix it for her or she's really distressed or really upset she can't really let us know so I hate that aspect of it but other than that you just become used to it and then as she was leaving high school going into adult services right before her 22nd birthday she just like started randomly saying said a couple words and then her sounds like her word approximations she pretty much will try to say anything and then she has a lot of echolalia which i mean it's like the first stage of speech but Mm -hmm. i'll take it
3: yeah (laughs) Yeah. which which is like that's the most fascinating thing about when i started following your page is that she gained language in her 20s for anyone out there you never know it's not
4: yeah. five it's not eight it's not ten it's not whatever bananas number you well there. it's
2: like they tell you you know the older they are without gaining language the less likely they are to get it and then by the time they're like you know seven eight ten if they don't have language then it's not going to happen it's kind of what they lead you to believe you know even by five or six i feel like a lot of people yeah. feel that yeah. way and no she doesn't have typical language i wouldn't say that she's, she's not what you would consider to be talking there's not a lot of back and forth conversation going a lot of it's repeating identifying things but she can like identify so many things she has a lot of phrases she can say she repeats constantly she has to be prompted for a lot of it a lot of her language has to be prompted which would be like if she wanted say a cookie I'd say okay I and she'd say I want cookie which is great I mean that's a sentence I never thought my kid would say a word not even a sound at one point so a a three-word sentence I mean for me i'm doing like a well every time even a though functional <laughs> sentence no less yeah even though she does, yeah. does has done it a lot like because i'll you know we'll kind of prompt her to do it she's had a few instances of um unprompted language very few probably like six or seven over the past like year and a half so in my mind i just have the hope because it's like she did it once that means the skill is there like is mm-hmm. it's there you know it's just it's really interesting. It's just fascinating the way. Thinking
1: about sweet videos, the freaking video of you guys yes. in the restaurant where she says, I love you. I oh love my you. gosh. Yep. The first I will time. Cry is media. I that me is did. go she look did. on her page on Autism Adventures the list of Alyssa. That video will stab you freaking hard. So sweet. Yeah, so, it's pretty yep, so
2: last summer we were at a restaurant and I mean, I really think it was the restaurant. Probably more than <laughs> me. Because we were... You know shut down for months and she hadn't been to a restaurant and uh we were at a hotel that had a restaurant open and then she just said it and um she has apraxia so a lot of her speeches even though she has it a lot of it's unclear and then um she just said it like on her own she had never done that ever in her life so we were like you know
0: but all your reactions so. because then your daughter i mean it was
2: just
1: yeah yeah and and the then we got it, happened to be recording It's it's magic. Yeah,
2: I mean, I still can't believe it sometimes. I almost, now I almost forget that she didn't do it. It feels like she's always been doing it, but obviously that's not the case. But, um, you know, it's the progress for her is really slow, but her receptive language is also growing. Her awareness is growing. You know, it's not Mm -hmm. just about her being able to produce the sounds. It's just all these other things are kind of coming along with it. But it, it goes back and forth. Like sometimes she goes through little like slides where like, it's not as clear. She doesn't do it as much, and then other times it, she's you know I'm talking to somebody and she's repeating every third word. You know what I mean? For <laughs> real, speech, that's true. The speech therapist was talking to me, and then she's saying like trying to say everything <laughs> everything she said like she was saying. So it's like it's funny. I mean that's been amazing. That's just something. I mean we just kind of made peace with the fact that it, it wasn't going to happen. Incredible. And, you know even though I say that we can't really have conversations and we can't have them in the typical way. Like I can ask her questions now. Like I do a lot of choices for her. She's able to answer them though. And that's something we never thought we would have. So, well,
3: that's like such a fascinating thing with our kids in general, because they can have language and then they can not have language. Like it really depends on the situation, who's around, what input is going on, how dysregulated they are. All of that is so much tied to their communication. It's just mind blowing. You know, it's like the brain can't process too many things at one time. It's an overload, which I think everyone feels at certain points. Like if you have had a long day and you've run through the ringer and at the end of the day, you can't even listen to a sound or watch a TV show or talk to your spouse or anything yeah. I attune it to that in a matter of minutes like their bodies and brains go to that within two minutes instead of a well, whole day's worth of and for her input. it's like
2: a lot to do with confidence mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. so the more she does it the more confidence she gets yeah but then yeah. other you can times see
4: that in a, her relationship with us because I see her peek around your shoulder like is that those aunties that are gonna yell at me and make me hug my mother like she wants yeah. to engage she wants to She's like ready for it today when we spoke, and it was on the phone. You could tell both of our girls were pissed because
2: you can't see <laughs> the auntie. Celia was like, "Can we Facetime? Like, this is doesn't this is not making sense to me. <laughs> I can't do this, auntie. <laughs> okay,
1: when we were kids, this was just an idea. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Only the was a ride at Disney this. World exactly. about the
2: future. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But- the future. <laughs> Yep. So there's, you know, there's so many different types of communication. We got verbal and nonverbal scripting and AAC devices. You know, there's just so many avenues to explore with our kids. I say leave no stone unturned. I mean, I'm still looking into things that, you know, there's another thing called spelling to communicate a little bit controversial, but I'm, you know, looking at some point to try that. The worst that could happen is that it doesn't work. I mean, I'm writing down Jen's book here i know (laughs) me too i was like i gotta
3: read that book i feel like with aac devices with pecs no one talked to us about real kind of touched on pecs with nixon and no one talked to us about a device with him and he didn't really pick up pecs but we didn't they didn't really press us to keep trying either with him so we didn't know what the hell we were doing and we just kind of were like okay i guess you guys are saying this isn't working for him but you're not really teaching me how to do it either. So I guess we're just going to wait for the language to develop. But I say any tools you can give your kids for communication is yep. just like so powerful to you. And don't them. ever let
2: anybody limit your child. I'll tell you what yeah. your child can or can't do because you just don't know. You just, know. Right. I didn't talk until she was five. Yeah, well, no. actually,
0: Pex reminds me I came home one day from work and her therapist had been there, obviously, and there was pecs all over the house. I mean, on the stove, on the microwave, on the, the the you know the, the the faucet, the mirror, the back of the toilet. I mean, they were everywhere through the house. Yeah, I remember that was just so.
4: It's bizarre. interesting what our kids like in terms of communication or assistance, or I mean, assistance with communication or uh, anything, medicine, like any therapeutics, like so much for at least Ceely is based off of the chemistry mm. with the person who is presenting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And not just that, but like any therapy, any, I mean, the wrong yep. speech therapist, get out of my life. The right one, <laughs> can you move in? The yeah, wrong exact yeah, exactly. worker, get F'd. You're going to make her run away. The right one. Can you move in? Like, I feel like if, A speech device wasn't available to Celie earlier because she could speak, even if like it was not being understood that it was scripting or whatever. Now, two years later, the world gets an AAC device in October for $10. Like, you know, things change so rapidly that I feel like I, as a mom, as a care provider for my daughter, not just a mom, I remember to circle back. Like I yes, try yep. and remember to circle back because titling is how we got through target. If I kept yeah. her mind busy and her hands full, I could get her through a social setting. Well, then later on, when we know that all these other things are in play with her diagnosis and she's nonverbal, guess what I'm doing? I am titling and I'm keeping it quiet and I'm keeping it like subtle and I'm keeping it simple and I'm slowing the shit down. Like i you're still doing all the same things and it works different every time you go yeah, at different it. times.
2: Yeah. Another thing I wanted to mention that, that I just kind of forgot about was so when Alyssa moved from her school program into mm-hmm. adult services, she would not use her speech device at day program. And because of her being an adult and there's not like a speech therapist the the way there is at school, they kind of were just like, well, she doesn't want to use it. So that's just kind of, that was just like a wrap. So then I was in a panic because she's all, I mean, she's used it for now seven years and she's does really well with it at school. So I had found a speech therapist that took adults, which wasn't easy Mm -hmm. and they were going to work on her speech device with her. So at the same time that we were doing this was also the same time that her speech started to develop. Now she's always had the speech device at school. So I'm not saying it's a hundred percent that I, but I do think it did play a factor. Mm -hmm. So what I started doing is I started using the speech device with her at home doing structured activities like we'll do flash cards, we would do games and she really likes to do it so she won't initiate it and use it on her own yet but I really think that this has also helped pick up her speech I think it's mm-hmm. the speech de- device I think she probably had was having some kind of growth spurt probably in her brain probably like that kind of last one you have in your 20s I think it was all these kind of moving pots were working together at the right time but I really think the speech device played a big part in that. Cause I think yeah. the seeing and hearing and seeing and hearing, even though we weren't really doing it at a hundred percent, I think that really also like facilitated the language for her.
1: Yeah, Isn't it amazing? What? Like how complicated communication is like, mm-hmm. look like we're all so different. Even when my son was first diagnosed, I thought there was speaking and non-speaking. Like I did Two like camps. Yeah. My son yeah. speaks, but he, that's not always communication. Sometimes I don't know. We're just, living in peppa pig world like is so much more intense than you can ever imagine and there's
2: so much to it to retrieving the word yeah recalling it and then the mode of planning that it takes because it goes from your brain to you know through your mouth and your muscles and all all these things play a role in it and we think nothing of it it's like so many steps to that process every time you say a word in your body Mm-hmm. That's true. One of the so, people at Mayo
4: said that to us about about Seely. Like, if I had said something to the effect of in this mixed topic conversation, I said something like, Well, it's as though her arms and legs are like cats' tails. Like they seem to just work independently from her whole situation. And then later I was talking about her speech and how sometimes it gets like mumbly before it gets before it goes, because celie often loses language late in the day. And they're like, Well, isn't that the same as the arms? Like (laughs) exhaustion,
3: fatigue, like all of it. She just can't keep up. One thing I wanted to throw out there for people, another resource for this AAC Awareness Month is you can get a trial device. There's a couple places you can get one. Talk to me. Technologies will let you borrow one, I think for two weeks to a month. We went through Easter Seals. Easter Easter Seals and... Uh, Like in our state, one of our universities, NAU, will mail you a device with the programs on it so you can trial it with your kids. A lot of universities and states do that. So you can get a trial device to try it with your kid for free. And also insurance companies sometimes will let you trial a device for 30 days as well as you're getting your prescription or your your recommendation from your speech language pathologist to get an actual device
2: like we mentioned earlier, um, October is AAC Awareness Month. They do have, I know the product we use is um, called prolo to go it's very popular it's pretty it's two, about $250 I believe now but that's 50% off the whole month of October so if you're thinking about doing and there's a lot of other ones that are also 50% off so if you're thinking about doing it October it would be a great time to do October it if, you're, is if, your if month. you're just if you're just gonna do it on your own but, yep. but if you're
0: in Canada it's a cool price of 400 even <laughs> <laughs>
3: That exchange rate in Canada is also 50% off.
4: I have one more more quickie. I'm wondering in um, terms of communication, if Tabitha and Jamie have any book ideas on how to better communicate (laughs) with uh, the community at large or a teacher specifically. Do you guys
3: know of any tools? (laughs) Our Um, friend Jamie Ramos should talk about her recently published book.
2: We've got Vanna Whitey. I am um, a published author. (laughs)
3: No, So
1: I do this thing with my son's teacher because my son does not communicate with me. I do not know what's happening at school. So I was advised by a friend who's a special educator to start a back and forth book. So I've been doing that through um, all my son's times at school. It helps so much. So I have published a back and forth book that you can use yourself um, that has like a page for you to communicate what happened at home that morning or the night before. And then the teacher can communicate back to you. It makes it a lot easier to fill out than just a blank page. It's like circle what mood they were in. Did they eat lunch? Did, when was the last time they go to the bathroom? So it's on Amazon right oh, now. Oh, up there. There's two different covers, but it's the same inside. We'll link them in the description. And then Tabitha has some books. I have two books. Yes. Do
3: You Talk the Way I Talk, which is a children's book to kind of show different forms of communication. We have four characters, one that uses pecs, one that uses an AAC, little girl character that does some scripting, and then um, one character with a language delay. And then our second book is Me and My AAC, which is our character, Ben, who strictly uses an AAC device and so the whole story is told through his aac also oh, oh jen's nana writing them for us too. <laughs> uh also available on amazon so internationally yes and we will have a third <laughs> book coming out in october oh it's, so so it's very exciting it's called um what's the commotion with my emotion it's going to be about self regulation and oh, talking about big feelings so is Look that a scripture that. that's our scripture inez she's gonna be talking about her feelings and we're very excited for we'll the take third one
2: 39 copies <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, so check, check that out that we'll out. we'll link check all the books in the description
2: so this is our episode this is how we communicate as you can hear we have all different little bit of everything in this group here that we have we want to advise you to you know don't ever let anyone limit your child try everything that you can don't be don't mm-hmm. be afraid things are only going to help you shot along nothing is going to stop them from from doing it so and celebrate um, every word
4: but no after a while <laughs> thank, so you thank you everybody for joining thank us
1: you. bye night, guys thank you for joining us at the table for the third episode of our sixth series this is how we do it If you are enjoying the podcast and happen to be listening on Apple Podcast, we would appreciate if you could rate and review us. You can also leave a review on our Facebook page. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Instagram. If you need to contact us, you can email us at tableforfivepodcasts at gmail.com. We have new episodes every Monday. Join us next week for our special storytime episode for this series. We can't wait to sit with you again, and we'll see you soon. Bye.